Y'all didn't know you were coming to a wedding celebration today, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is mainly geared towards women today, since it's Mother's Day, but men, this applies to you just as much as being the, the bride of Christ. So what an honor it is to speak today. Thank you, Jana. Uh, so this is the bride of Christ. This is who you are. This is how God sees you. Your Father sees you just like this. Without spot or blemish, you're adorned in beautiful wedding garments. Don't you perceive it? Do you perceive this? Do you see yourself as this? when you see yourself in the mirror. You are a beautiful daughter of the King, of the Most High God. You are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You are His beloved. So there are are three main points I want to talk to you all about today. Uh, One is our identity. Two is our posture. And three, are you ready for the coming bridegroom? So, our, our identity as women. I know for me, we can place it in our husbands, in our kids, our grandkids, our friends, our work, our social status, the house we live in, the clothes we wear, or even the car we drive, or even how spiritual people think we are. We try to be superwoman instead of being the, the perfect woman instead of being an abiding woman. Here's the difference. A superwoman, the old man, does, tries to impress, is controlled by her agenda, finds her self-worth in things and people around her. Everything must be perfect. I was always discouraged and defeated by failure, buys things to make her happy, focuses on what is seen. An abiding woman, the new man, rests, pleases the Lord, is controlled by the Holy Spirit, finds her self-worth in knowing who she is in Christ, finds peace in Jesus regardless of circumstances around her, walks in complete victory, and extends grace to herself and others. Here in a little bit, you'll get a copy of that, that has scriptures that go along with that. Um, I'd gotten this a few years ago when we started homeschool, and it really blessed me. Um, so you'll, there's a, enough for each of y'all to have that. Um, <clears throat> so we allow lies to come in instead of listening to what Father says about us. In Bill Johnson's book, God is Good, He says, I cannot afford to have a thought in my head about me that God doesn't have in his head about me. I'm going to say that again. I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that God does not have about me. So what does that mean? His thoughts towards us are always perfect. He sees us as perfect. He defines us. So why do we settle for lies? 
Lies that say we are unworthy. Lies that say we are unlovable. Lies that say we are terrible mothers. Lies that say we have to be perfect. They're all lies. Stop settling for lies. Stop hiding behind somebody that you weren't created to be. That was a really good word from Dorman last week about not all imaginations are ungodly. That really spoke to me and blessed me. But you have to discern what imagination, what mind that that imagination is coming from. So you have ears to hear and a heart to obey. So what thoughts are you allowing into your head? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. For although we live in in the natural realm, we do not wage a military campaign imploring human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Did you catch that part? Did you have it? <clears throat> Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist, insist that it bow in obedience to the Anointed One. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience." So what do you have to do? You demolish every deceptive thought that opposes God. What mind is it coming from? Stop hiding. Take every thought captive and insist that it bow to the anointed one. You must choose complete obedience. Every day, multiple times a day, you have a choice of whose voice you're going to listen to. Are you going to settle for the lies because it's comfortable there? I'm tired of being comfortable. Or are you going to declare what Father says about you is true and stand on his promises? Stop dwelling on the past. Ladies, you can't move forward if you keep looking back. Isaiah 43, 18-19 in the Passion. Stop dwelling on the past. Don't even remember the former things. I am doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. If there is something that keeps making you look back, that's a soul tie. Get rid of it. You will not move forward till it's broken. So number two. Do you have the correct posture? Where are we supposed to be postured at? <clears throat> I'm going to read about Mary and Martha in Luke 10:38-42 in the Passion as well. As Jesus and the disciples continued on, the, on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. 
Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master. She sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guest. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing that is most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Mary was completely focused on Jesus. Nothing could distract her. But Martha, she was pulled away by all the distractions. Are they really that important, the distractions in your life? When you're resting at his feet, just as Mary was, you're abiding. Remember we talked about the abiding woman? So what does abiding mean? Strong says to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. To be present, to remain as one, union, or to stand. And a lot of the time, that means being still. Is it hard to be still? It's hard for me to be still. Father's been speaking that to me the last couple of weeks. He says, be still. Stop being distracted. I can get caught up in all of the doing and and the busyness. He says, are they really that important? And I forget the one thing that's most important, resting at his feet. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And I love how the passion says, surrender your anxiety, be silent, and stop your striving. Be silent and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but are the things that at the things that which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There are days that my posture is completely sloppy, and I feel completely defeated as a wife, as a mom, and as a teacher. There are days where I let the lies stay, and I start believing them. I let the enemy tell me that I am not enough, that I'm not doing enough. That's a lie. I get blinded and forget what clothes I have on. But my father is still right there with me and he picks me up, reminds me who I am, and I repent and move forward. I start feeling like a failure when I think it's all on me and what I do. But thankfully, it's on him and what he did. It's past tense. It's done. Stop going back there. Don't get distracted. We are not moved by what we see or feel. My desire is to want more of him every day and less of my selfish desires. When you are the bride of Christ, you desire what he desires, to grow more in love with him every day. When you married your spouse, it was an amazing day. 
But that love just didn't stop there, did it? I know it hasn't for me and Mary, and we're not the same people that we were when we got married, thank God. (laughs) That love grows deeper, on a deeper level, the longer you get to know that person. And that's that's what our Father desires with us. Smith Wigglesworth says that you are if, if that if you are on the same place spiritually that you were yesterday, you have backslidden. I don't want to be in the same place. I've been there long enough. I know that I am created for more. So what have you settled for? What's your posture when trials or distractions come? James 1 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. And try to repeat that after me. Say, I am perfect. I am complete. And I lack nothing. There is joy in the trials when they come because you are resting at his feet. We rest because we know who has <clears throat> we know who has the victory. We know who holds the outcome in his hands. We rest because he has promised to take care of us. Second Chronicles twenty seventeen says, You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. I think that was the new living translate or new king james new king james version that said that you will not need to fight in this battle but position yourself so where's your position stand still and see the salvation of the lord who is with you he has already accomplished it the victory is ours i stole this from a friend i have a really hard time standing still but it's hard to walk around in this (laughs) Uh, I stole this from a friend from an encounter. He was talking about as our father, he, he's already beheaded the giant, and he brings us to head and says, look what you did. I am so proud of you. That's what father does for us. He does all the work, and we get the credit. I mean, how amazing is that? That's who we are. That blows my mind. And I don't remember where I got this saying, but position always precedes power. We must be positioned in Christ before we can ever do anything for his kingdom. You must know your position. Then number three, do you have enough oil for your lamp? I'm going to read Matthew uh, 25, 1 through 13 in the Passion. is about the the parable of the ten virgins. At that time, my coming draws near, and heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to ten maidens who took their oil lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom and his bride. Five of them were foolish and ill-prepared, for they took no extra oil for their lamps. Five of them were wise and sensible, for they took flasks of olive oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom didn't come, when they expected catch that part, when they expected. They all grew drowsy and fell asleep. Then suddenly, in the middle of the night, they were awakened by the shout, Get up! The bridegroom is here! Come out and have an encounter with him. 
So all the girls got up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones were running out of oil. So they said to the five wise ones, share your oil with us because our lamps are going out. We can't, they replied. We don't have enough for all of us. You'll have to go and buy some for yourselves. While the five girls were out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. Those who were ready and waiting. Those who were ready and waiting, expectant, were escorted inside with him and the wedding party to enjoy the feast. When the door was locked, later, <laughs> then the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running up to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us come in. But he called back, Go away. Do I, do I know you? I can assure you, I don't even know you. That is the reason you should always stay awake and be alert, because you don't know the day or the hour when the bridegroom will appear. So five of them were sensible. They were prepared. They had enough oil for their lamps. Five of them were not. Why weren't they? They were invited to the wedding too. They knew it was going to happen. Did they not have the same amount of time to prepare as the others did? It'll be okay, they must have thought, right? Then suddenly, it's too late. Their oil was running out. The five prepared ones were ready and waiting. They were expectant. Remember earlier what I said, what one of the words for abiding meant? Being in a place of expectancy. They were escorted in with him, then the door was locked. Are you, re- are you ready for the coming bridegroom? It's too late once you're locked out. Being expectant. Our expectancy comes from him. Psalm 62.5 says, My soul, wait silently for God alone. My expectation is from him. My soul. David is speaking to his soul. Soul, wait on the Lord. Soul, expect good things to come from him. And then again in Psalms 103, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's telling his soul to bless the Lord. Is your soul expectant? Is your soul prepared? If not, speak to your soul. Command your soul to line up. Uh, Revelation 9, sorry, 19, uh, 6 through 9. Then I heard what seemed to be the thunderous voice of a great multitude, like the sound of a massive waterfall and mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt him and give him glory, because The wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. His bride has made herself ready. Are you ready? Fine linen, shining bright and clear, has been given to her to wear, and the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of his holy believers. Then the angel said to me, Write these words, Wonderfully blessed are those who are invited to the feast at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. And then he said to me, these are the true words of God. Blessed are those who are invited to the feast 
at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. We're all invited. Are you ready? Matthew 22, 1 through 14. I'm going to paraphrase this. but So the wedding feast. This is where the king is throwing a wedding feast for his son. And it's an extravagant feast. Because why not? When you're the king's son, you deserve the best, right? He, he sent out invitations. Messengers hand-delivered these invitations. Come, it's ready, let's party. But the invited guests weren't interested. They had better things to do. I was like, first of all, what kind of people are these? Who has better things to do than go to a king's party? You're invited to a king's party. That doesn't happen every day. So these people were cruel and even murdered the king's messengers over, over an invitation to a party. The king is furious and destroys their cities. Then he tells his messengers to go out into the streets and invite everyone you meet. I don't care, good or bad, what they've done. We will celebrate. The banquet hall was full now, and this delighted the king. Until he noticed a guest who was not dressed properly. There was absolutely no excuse for this man not to be dressed. The wedding attire was provided at the door. All he had to do was accept it and receive it. It's that easy. What was this man thinking? You're at a king's banquet. Can you imagine a party that a king is throwing? All the amazing food, the dancing, the music, the decorations, and you're given an outfit to wear. I mean, come on, ladies, this is our dream, right? Can you imagine what those clothes look like? And he didn't take it. (laughs) He didn't take it. Why? All he had to do was accept it for free, for free, for this man. And he didn't take it. So the king says, remove him from the party. So basically, he's cast into hell. And then catch this, if you can put that last verse up there, Rod, verse 14. In the passion. For everyone is invited to enter in, but few respond in excellence. This blew my mind. Everyone is invited to enter in, but few respond in excellence. How do you respond in excellence? You accept the invitation. That's all you have to do. You accept the clothes provided. You are expected for the party to come, and you have more than enough oil for your lamp. You know your posture, and you know who you are. Hosea 2, 19 through 20 says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. Will y'all pass out those stuff now? So can you, can you see yourself as his bride? Do you perceive it? Marion and the kids are passing out some cards. Ladies, these cards... 
I want you to keep, put them in your Bible, put it on your mirror, put it somewhere where you'll see it every day, multiple times a day, and that you'll be reminded of who you are, how the Father sees you. I want to take just a moment. I want y'all to close your eyes. If you can't see yourself as the bride of the bride of Christ, if you can't perceive it, ask Father to give you eyes to see with his eyes how he sees you. Ask Father to show you your wedding garments. Ask him to tell you what he's speaking to you right now, what he calls you. Ask Father what's holding you back, what's keeping you from being prepared. Do you perceive it? Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for Mother's Day, Lord. I thank you for who you've called us to be as women, Lord, and that it's not an easy job. But we thank you, Lord, that you have created us for such a time as this. And it's not a time to get caught up in distractions or the cares of this world, but to rest at your feet, being expectant, Lord. I just release that over everyone here today, Lord, that they would leave here knowing exactly who they are in you, that they would see themselves as your beautiful, spotless bride. knowing that they can do all things through you, Lord. Lord, I just love you and I praise you and I thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.